Um, I want to begin today by looking at a couple of verses. We don't normally just begin looking at the verses. We talk about some things first, but I want to begin by looking at these two verses. And this will make sense as we begin the message and look into this. But I want to begin with John chapter 13, I'm sorry, John chapter 15, verse 5. It's a verse I think all of you know. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, and apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, just in a way of a, an explanation on the verse, okay? This is not a verse talking about remaining in him as being saved. Uh, this is a verse talking to his disciples, and he's saying to them, if you remain in me, then you're going to bear much fruit. If you don't, then you won't. It has nothing to do with salvation. But the question then becomes, what does it mean to remain in him? How, does it, how do we as believers do that? Because there's a, you know, the results are very important, bearing fruit and not being able to do nothing otherwise. So how do I do that? And as, you know, theologians have talked about this for centuries, how would you explain it? And it's basically talking about our fellowship, our remaining in close proximity spiritually to the Lord and listening and, and just being in his presence. Now let's look at the next verse. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16. So I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, this is Paul talking, and he's basically uh, saying the same thing. Walk in the Spirit, or walk by the Spirit. What is he saying? Well, it's the same thing that Jesus meant by remaining in me. It's remaining in fellowship with him, close, in, close to him, living under the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, walking in fellowship with the Lord always, it's referring to or talking about our intimacy with the Lord, our closeness to Him. It's talking about that time in our life when we are the most sensitive and most open to the presence of the Lord, when we are most in tune with Him, that sort of thing. That's, that's basically the general understanding of those verses. It's written to us talking about our walk with Him and our closeness to Him. Now, here's the question, okay? When do you most feel like that? When do you most often feel like you're really close to God? When do you feel like the Lord is speaking to you and you're just relishing in his, um, his presence because you are aware that you're in the presence of the Lord? For you, when does that happen? Now, there's going to be many different answers to that question because Here's what we're going to be talking about. They were all different. And our understanding of a relationship with the Lord and walking with him and what that looks like and so forth is going to be different. And the way in which we interact with him on a daily basis is going to be different for each of us. Now, here's the problem. And that is that we think that however I relate to the Lord and however I feel close to him and, and are listening to him and realize that he's present in my life and so forth, well, that should be the same for everybody. And in reality, that's not the case. And so as we look at this today, we're going to be talking about the different ways in which we as believers commune with God. Where, how, how do we draw close to him? When do we feel the closest to him? 
Now, the title of the sermon is Sacred Pathways. It's uh, part of a message I preached about 10 years ago, and I know you remember it. So, you know, you can probably just look back at your old notes. But in all honesty, um, we're talking about what it, what it means to relate to him and how we go about it. And the whole gist of this, the whole point of this, is that we all have a predominant spiritual style. We all have a predominant way in which we feel the Lord's presence, when we feel the closest to him, when we are listening the best, when we are more in tune with him than ever before. And we're all different in that way. And so as we go through this today, I want you to, first of all, understand that and realize that, but also to appreciate that. And at the end, I want to draw some applications as we bring this, wind this up at the end. Let me tell you where... <laughs> this came from about 15 years ago I was reading a book Bill Hybels wrote the book it's called Courageous Leadership and in that book he is quoting and digesting and looking at another book that was written by a man named Gary Thomas entitled Sacred Pathways and as Hybels took his information he sort of digested it down and generalized it and put it in a form that um, I'm using here today But he's talking about that because it's a very important topic. And in that book, he makes this quote. Now listen. Sacred pathways are like doors into a room where we feel particularly close to God, where we are better able to hear his whispers. Now that's what a sacred pathway in this context is what we're talking about. For each person, there's a different room or different door into that room. Now, please understand that we are not talking about different ways in which a person comes to the Lord. There is only one way that you come to the Lord. But we're talking about now that you are a believer, now that we're Christians, how do I enter into that throne room, so to speak? How do I enter into his presence? How do I, where, where is it in my life that I feel the closest to God? What's going on? Where am I? That's that type of thing. And that's the point that it's all this different for all of us and that we all need to realize that. So we're going to be talking about that. Actually, we're going to be talking about six different ways in which we do that. Now, I want you to listen closely. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I want to breeze through this. But I want you to get the under, general understanding of this and try to figure out where you fit in. And when it's all said and done, I hope you feel better about your spiritual walk. And not that you are an odd person. And I'll explain that as we go along. All right, let's jump in. Six different pathways or doors into the presence of God for us as believers. And we are going to be involved in somewhere in these pathways. I want you to identify yours as best you can, your predominant one. Um, I'll tell you, we'll talk about this more as we go through this, but it's not just one, I don't believe. I believe that it's, it's sort of a blend for all of us. But try to f- figure out your predominant method of relating to God. So let's go through this. Number one, the relational pathway. This is where you feel alive when you are in relationships with other people, where you're, you're, you're going about your Christian life, but you're doing it with other people instead of alone. Um, you ever noticed that perhaps in your life when you are experiencing solitude, alone time, 
that you feel like you're in solitary confinement, that for you that's not what you want, that's not what you like, you don't feel like you're close to God. You, you know, people talk about doing a Bible study by yourself or quiet time, and to you it's just empty homework. It's not something that's very appealing. Um, for you, you don't, for example, like to sit alone in church. You'll come into church and you immediately look for somebody to sit with that you know just because you want that interaction, you want that fellowship. Now, even though you feel like you can't be alone, now watch, because whenever you take that person that and then inject them into a, a group of people in some form or fashion, everything changes. In other words, they, uh, they pray with a group instead of alone. And all of a sudden, they feel God's presence. They study with a group instead of alone. And all of a sudden, they feel fired up and excited just having been there in that presence of those people and doing it together. They serve with other people and they are overjoyed with the whole experience because they were in a group of doing, in doing it. They love corporate worship rather than being alone in worshiping. To them, that's much more meaningful. These are the people that love support groups, love discussion groups, and love community in general. And for them, now this is what I want you to understand, okay? For that type of person, this is how they abide in Christ. See, this is how they have fellowship with him. Because there's other people involved and that just suits them fine. This is when they're most in tune with the Spirit. It's when they're doing it with other people. Now, I'm giving you a general definition and description here today of these. And you can look this up if you want to and um, read the book if you want to. But I want to give you just a general overview and then get to the, to the applications that I want to make. So that's the first one. It's a relational pathway. Here's the second one. And that is the intellectual pathway. The intellectual pathway. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with your IQ. This is simply saying that you relate to God best through your mind, through learning. In other words, your mind must be fully engaged before you can make spiritual progress. You want things to be seen. You want things to be explained. You want to study. And this is when you feel the closest to the Lord. You put this person in a testimony meeting where everybody's sharing their testimonies. They may appreciate it. But they're more likely to leave the meeting thinking, where's the beef? You know, where's the substance? Where's something for me to sink my teeth into? What did I learn tonight? That type of thing. And sometimes we, we look at these differences and we think we're oddities, you see, because we didn't seem to get as much out of it as somebody else. You take this person and you talk about devotions. When they sit down to do their devotions, they usually have two or three commentaries sitting there you know, a notepad and pen. They're taking notes. They're studying. These are the types of people who love to read books when they're on vacation. These are the people that love to go into classes and discuss things, to, to be in seminars and conferences. And when their mind is convinced, their hearts will follow. And whatever they've come to understand or believe is ironclad. You'll never change their mind. That's the kind of people we're talking about. The Apostle Paul was a person like that. And this is the time when you're studying that you are the most pliable, the most teachable, 
the most open to spiritual truth. And when God is going to talk to you or, or speak to you, then that's probably the best time for him to do that. It's because this is your niche and this is where you fit in. The third one is the serving pathway. The serving pathway. And this is for people who feel dialed in spiritually when they're serving. We see this all the time with people. Back when I was going to seminary and attending a church over here in DeSoto, uh, there was a gentleman that worked there. He was a volunteer. He had retired from the uh, Army, and um, he didn't do it for the money. He just came and he served the church. And Ken was his name, and Ken volunteered. He was the bookkeeper of the church, and he was the maintenance man at the church. And he he was the guy that uh, did the yard and the upkeep, everything. And he had some guys to help him, but he was in charge of it. Now, Ken was, was a character. I mean, he was old when I was there. And Ken, I think, is deceased now. But Ken loved to serve. And he would spend all day, he'd spend 40, 50 hours a week just volunteering there at the church. And you put Ken in a small group, and he would, like, pull his hair out. He didn't like it. We did growth groups at the time over there, and uh, we uh, we put him, I put him, well, I did. I encouraged him to be in a group, and he went to the group because he wanted his wife to be more involved. But he rarely said anything, and he just couldn't stand it. Ken, was the, he was the kind of guy that um, he would work all day. We had a, over there a, a, a sanctuary like this where you have chairs instead of pews. And it was multi-purpose, so it was used for other things as well. And every week he'd take the chair, chairs out and put the chairs back in. Him and the helper would do that. And I would come into that, and um, I'd stick my head at the door, and Ken would be in there all alone putting these chairs up just to singing. Just singing. And Ken would be whistling all the time, and he smiled and he was happy. You put him in a Sunday school class and he clammed up and didn't say anything. That wasn't his, that wasn't for him. He was awkward when he was around people. You put him in a crowd, he was just awkward. But he loved serving. And if God ever wanted to speak to Ken, he probably would have to do it at that time because that's when Ken was most in tune to the Lord, when he was most open to listening and hearing the Word of God because Ken loved to serve. These are the people that are usually the caregivers. These are the people that tend to the homeless and the jails and the addicts. These are people who are very giving because they love serving. And sometimes they feel like they don't fit in because, you know what, they're not the ones that are going to be sitting down studying for any length of time. You know, they're just not that that type of person. And so they sometimes feel like they're left out or they're odd, but they're not. This is just their pathway into the presence of God for them. Here's the fourth one, and that is the contemplative pathway, the contemplative one. These are the people that spend unlimited time in solitude. They like being alone. These are the people who love to, to do quiet times. These are the people who read their Bibles every day. These are the people who most often journal. 
They will journal. They'll write down their thoughts. They'll write down their prayers. They'll write down uh, everything. They just are pouring it out in their quiet time with the Lord. And these are the people that uh, when you put them in a situation with the relationships, they are just spiritually and emotionally drained. That's not really their forte. That's not what they want. But they love being alone with God. It's almost like they, and sometimes it's worded this way, they'll say, I just love being caught up in the rapture of his love. These people have a tremendous capacity for prayer. They're very compassionate. And they're usually the ones that write the books and the songs because these are the ones that spend a great deal of time just fellowshipping with God on their own. And again, these people feel sometimes like they don't fit in because they feel odd. You know, they're not like the others. They're not like the others that like to be in relationship uh, or uh, intellectuals or whatever you want to call it. They're not that type. But yet this is their way into the presence of God. This is the door that opens that communion for them. The fifth one is the activist pathway. These are the people that need a cause or a project to feel close to God. I mean, you can put them in a Bible study and they'll, they'll enjoy it, but you, they're, they're just feeling like something's missing. But you give them a cause. You push them to the edge of their potential. You say, this is something that really needs to be done. These are some people that have needs that you, you can deal with. And, man, they're on it. And that's when they feel the closest to the Lord. They work better at the speed of Mach 2. They are going to be more sensitive, more open to the Lord when they're out there on a limb of faith being tossed around because to them that is when they hear God. That's when they experience his presence. And these are the people, more often than not, that will be the ones that start new ministries. These are the people that usually go into missions because they see a need, they see a cause, they see a project, and they jump on it. You know, we can look back through history and we can see examples of people like this. John Wesley, for example, he was referred to as a ministry maniac. That's who Wesley was. George Whitfield, a great preacher from previous generations, uh, he, he was said to have preached to the point of exhaustion. D.L. Moody, how can one man do everything that D.L. Moody did? But he, he saw the need, he saw the, 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 project, if you will, the cause, and he jumped on it. Now, again, people in churches are like that, and they feel odd or like the fifth wheel, the odd person out, because that's how they want to serve, and that's where they find fulfillment, and that's the door that opens for them the presence of God. That's where they're going to be most pliable and most open to what God has to say for them is when they're doing that. Now, the last one is the worship pathway. And this would include all forms of worship, private worship, corporate worship, like coming together like this. These are the people who love music. Their world centers around it. These are the people that love to go to a Christian concert. They are they're just drawn into the presence of God when they're in a setting like this. Music just pulls them in. These are the people that will go down the road and pop in a CD into their... Um, CD player in the car, and they will just worship and worship and worship. These are the people that are going to sit by themselves listening to music and just cry. They can't get enough of it. 
And this is where, if God is going to speak to them and they're going to be open and listening, that's the moment in time to do that. That's their door into the intimacy of God. That's their pathway. If you look back in the Bible, you would all agree, I'm sure, that King David was an example of that. It was David who wrote the Psalms. These were just his praises to God, his worship time with the Lord. Now, there are the six pathways. There are probably more, um, but this is just a general understanding of how this works. Now, let me draw some applications, and there's where I want you to think, okay? You You and I need to realize that none of us are made up of just one of these pathways. There are probably several. You may be part of the intellectual pathway in the sense that you love to study, but you also love to worship. And and either one of these works for you. But I want you to understand there, in most cases, if not all, there's going to be a predominant pathway for you. One that sticks out, one that you gravitate to all the time, one that you can't live without, one that you feel, when I'm here, I'm in the presence of God. And for you, that's your predominant one. The second thing that I want you to understand is this. I want you to give yourself permission to pursue God that way. In other words, don't feel or think that you're odd. This is just how you're made up. This is who you are, and this is where God opens the door for you at that point in time, in that event or that circumstance where the door opens and you walk, you usher it into the presence of God more than any other time. And that's a good thing. And you don't have to be like everybody else. None of you do. Guys, this is what, this is what makes you so special. And if you feel as though you're odd, if you feel as though you don't fit in, please understand that God has made you this way. And God has given you an open door into his presence. And you have to understand that you fit in and give yourself permission to seek God in that area. Now, having said that, here's the third one, okay? That in doing that, you've also got to understand that people, there are people who are different than you. And you've got to give them permission to. You know, we look at churches and the life within a church. And there are always these different pathways and people who pursue God in that vein. And those that are different from that... Look at them as though they're odd because everybody ought to be like me, we think. Everybody should be willing and ready to jump in and have an hour-long prayer meeting. But not everybody does. Everybody should want to study the Bible and look at commentaries and learn, but not everybody does. Everybody should want to come and listen to Christian music and worship together and just be lifted up into the presence of God. But not everybody responds like that. And the sooner we as Christians can understand that the church is made up of different people 
then the better off the church is going to be and the happier you're going to be. See, we have to let people exercise their pathway. We have to accept people who are different from us, spiritually speaking, in the sense that this is important to me. Well, this over here is important to me. Well, can we not at least acknowledge that we're both okay and come together and help each other and lift each other up? This is what makes it difficult for pastors to go into churches. And I'm saying this now for the benefit of the guy that comes after me. Don't try to force everybody in a church to look and act and think the same. A a pastor can't come up with things that are going to fulfill all of these. So you're going to have to help. You're going to have to step up and you're going to have to be motivated to do ministries and to be involved and to encourage people who are like you to be involved. And when everybody gives each other permission to be different, permission to pursue God in a different way, then the church benefits from that. And so that means we're tolerant of people who are different, who want to serve and want to minister and want to worship differently. You've got to be more tolerant. Here's the last point, and that is this, that all of the pathways are necessary So you need to try to be involved in as many as you can. Now, what I mean by that is this. I don't want to give you the impression. Let's say that you are more the intellectual pathway. You want Bible studies and you want serious in-depth teaching and so forth. There may be a place for that in the church, in a class or a particular ministry. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be more relational. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't be more involved in worship. You can be an intellectual and open your mouth and sing. And some of you need to. You know, we've got to understand that as a church, we're just different in every way. And so we don't want to suppress anybody. We don't want to keep them from exercising or being involved in the pathway that brings them into the presence of God. But at the same time, we don't want to get into the the, the mindset that, hey, this is how I do it and everything else, well, I just don't care. See, because there's things over here in these other methods and these other emphases that you need. You may feel like a fish out of water when it comes to a small group or a Sunday school class or something like that, but you need it. It may not be your cup of tea, but you need it. Have you ever noticed that you go through the New Testament and all the things that we're told that we ought to be doing, you know, we ought to be studying the Word of God. Show thyself approved by studying and knowing the Word of God. That's the intellectual path. You know, we get together and we pray without ceasing. Love one another. He didn't make a distinction and say, well, some of you do this and some of you don't. The whole idea within a church is that some of us will emphasize this area and therefore it becomes a priority. Others emphasize another area and it becomes a priority. 
But that does not exclude us from being involved in many different areas. So, you know, like we have a Wednesday night prayer meeting, and some of us gather together, and we're not there but a half an hour or so, but we pray. That may not be your cup of tea, but you realize that it's important, so you come. And you participate. Participate. That's what I, what I said. You know, we, we're going to be cranking up small groups here in another month, probably. We're kind of waiting till. This COVID thing dies down a little bit. But when we do that, for you know, that may not be your cup of tea. That's not how I relate to the Lord. That's fine. But you know what? We're told in Scripture to gather together, to uplift one another, encourage one another, and pray for one another. And this is the best way to do it. And so you need to be involved, even though that's not your pathway. You can be different and still be part of the church. That's the way God made us, and that's the beauty of the church. And we get into problems when churches or pastors try to force everybody into a mold. And it's usually his. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm more the intellectual pathway. doesn't mean I'm smart because I'm not. But I, will, I love to study. I love to, to read. I love, this is when God speaks to me, when I'm alone. That's me. That doesn't mean that I don't love worship. I do. But I know my predominant pathway. I know how God speaks to me. I had a guy in church up in Indiana one time. He'd come into church usually about halfway through the music. And his point of view, his opinion, and it caused problems sometimes, but, oh, let's just get through the music. That's just a precursor. I need the word. Now, you know what? I'm the preacher, so yeah, I know he needs the word, and I enjoy giving it. But I also knew and tried to encourage him, you need to be here for the worship time, too, because you need that as well. And there'll be others that, you know, go to sleep during the sermon, but they're alive during the music. It's just the way it is. But if you and I can begin to appreciate the differences in all of us, but also understand my need to be involved in other ways, to pursue God other ways, God just might reveal something to you. God just might show you that, you know what, I'll speak to you over here too. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? The church is a beautiful thing. It really is. God designed it. God made it. And it's filled up with a bunch of weirdos. We are. We're all weird. But in God's eyes, we're beautiful. And with all of our quirks and with all of our differences, we come together and we love him and we seek his face. And we love it when God speaks to us and leads us and guides us and we feel his presence. That's the way church ought to be. And God has designed you that you have a predominant pathway that God will use. But in the church, people need you to be supportive of them. And people need you to be a part of their lives. So let's seek to do that, okay? I really believe the church is strengthened by the differences. If we just don't let the differences drive us apart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you. 
Father, we are reminded of the reality that the church is such a beautiful creation. Father, you designed us with all of our quirks and differences, and you still love us, and you've put us here, and we sharpen each other, and we we work on each other, and we love each other. And Father, all of us will pursue you in different methods and different ways. And Father, how you do that is up to you. But help us as the church to be tolerant of people whose pathway is different, people who express that pathway, people who are involved in that pathway. Father, may we find ours, and may we just gravitate to it, but at the same time to realize that you can teach us and open up different doors for us if we're just open. Father, help us to be that way. And may we be attractive to the unbelieving world because they know that here they'll be accepted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.